0: Hey, Paulina. Hey, Roger. How are you doing?
1: I'm well. I'm well. Um, got a deadline in an hour, so I'm as relaxed as can be.
0: Hey, um, I had this uh, this idea just a moment ago uh, that I would just call a couple of my friends and uh, maybe we could chat a little bit.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: You know, I'm making a, a couple of podcasts, right? I'm working on a couple of stuff. Um, some of them are in socialism, some are in the welfare system. Uh, but the first one I'm actually bringing out is the one on capitalism. And um, I thought to sort of like improvise a little bit of conversations on what capitalism actually is. And I would like to ask you could you please explain to me what is capitalism?
2: Oh
1: my God. <laughs> I mean, uh, my understanding of it is that Capitalism is, it's like a, it's a system of...
3: Capitalism is the economic system that, oh, fuck, I don't know, man, what is Capitalism? (laughs) Um, Capitalism, Jesus Christ.
1: system of economy right and it's based on sort of free market free market workings and just like that that the, the means of production and, and and all the setting of the stuff and the marketing is all in the hands of private owners
3: my understanding of capitalism is the idea that people use capital to procure more capital I make money to make more money.
0: Hey guys, Walrus here, welcome to Berlinology. I've dropped you right in the middle of my investigation. These are my friends Darren and Pauline that I literally ambushed with a conversation on the principles of capitalism. They had no idea I was about to call them, so you have to give them a bit of slack, though I just had a couple more questions for them. What, when do you think, um, when did you think capitalism came into being? Uh,
1: I think it's, it was sort of around the
0: time of the industrial revolution, right? Um. I don't know, since
3: since, since, since people began to um, stop living on basic, basic subsistence level, that is, sort of, hunter-gatherer type thing, and, and when people began sort of hoarding the agricultural revolution in which people began to produce more than they were eating.
0: So today's show is on capitalism, or as some might call it, the beast. I thought I'd do a nice little light topic for a change. Capitalism seemed to fill the spot perfectly, I've recently noticed a lot more people talking about capitalism, whether it's people getting themselves into massive Twitter feuds or just a sheer number of recent books with titles such as Capital in the 21st Century or The Future of Capitalism. And more often than not, the word capitalism is used in a rather negative way.
1: And I would not know how to explain this very precisely to you, but I think there's a point in the gathering of wealth where sort of the the gap between the people profiting and the people... Um, and we were working basically it it becomes too big, so you have this is the of course the big critique of Marx, right that no matter how fair your boss is, he's always profiting of you. he's always making money um by denying you your fair share
3: it kind of rules out a redistribution or at least a fair redistribution of that capital, if you know what I mean if I'm lucky enough now to earn a million dollars in my a million euros in my life, <clears throat> I give it to my son, who's done literally nothing to earn that. I don't know, he's been given a, a serious stake in society, a serious, uh, I don't know, a serious um, power, you could say. And then, I don't know, what has he done to deserve it? Nothing. fact, kind of perpetuates a social system and is, is, is not so amenable to change.
0: Now, a fair critique on capitalism is that it is exploitative and that it breeds inequality, and I think more and more of us have come to understand that this may not be something we want to perpetuate, or it's even sustainable. Though at the same time, isn't capitalism the system that, well, better than all the other systems we tried? Hasn't capitalism brought us mass prosperity? Isn't it the driving force behind innovation and creativity? And when it comes to what actually makes capitalism an unequal system, how precisely does it create this inequality?
1: Everyone has a sort of, yeah, feeling in their underbelly about it. It's good or it's bad. But then when you ask, like, why is it good? Why is it bad? Like there's not there's not a lot of argumentation to back it up and, and, and also not a lot of context. That, that we have. It's just a sort of vague feeling about
0: capitalism. Now I want you to know up front, I know hardly anything about economics, so will we talk about capitalism in this episode? Sure thing. Will we have a firm idea by the end what capitalism is all about? Uh, Let's see. Will we have a lot of fun doing it regardless? Hell's freaking yeah. This is Berlinology. Here we go. Okay, let's enlighten ourselves. We want to know more about capitalism and what better way to start than the museum of capitalism right here in Kreuzberg. um, We're walking uh, now through Kreuzberg on our way towards the museum. Um, I actually don't know exactly where it is. Okay. So this is me and the other voice belongs to Ken, Mr. Ken Mark Walsh to be precise. Right. I didn't
4: even know it was in Kreuzberg. I thought we'd have to move along. So now I'm imagining it's in somebody's like, Living room, or something like that, is it? Why, why, how, what, what are, we, what are you imagining? Well, okay, so at first I was thinking it was some like a kind of a regular museum. When I found out it was more of a kind of like thrown together by anarchists' yoke, I kind of just envisioned it'll be manky. Mr. Walsh is a well-read man. He's from the Iron
0: Isles, not afraid to speak his mind, and in general, someone with whom you can have a good conversation. So I'm going to let the tape roll for a little bit, a couple of minutes or so. I'll be back later on. But
4: Do you think it's going to be any good? I think it'll be all right. I think it will, it will confirm many of my already existing beliefs, and that's always something that people enjoy. <laughs> but it's probably not going to be any good for me. Sure. I'm going to learn anything from it. Uh, I imagine or I'll probably... I should keep an open mind. It's kind of stupid to go in with, with preconceived notions.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is, like, we have an idea of what a museum is. And mm. I feel like we're going to go in, um, expect, like, as we said, it's not going to be like the German historical museum. Yes. Right? The massive, well-organized, where they put years and years of a team of 65 people working on, a, on an exhibition all together.
4: Um, what, what does the word "manky" mean? Oh, "manky" is just like... Do you ever go into like a squat? It's like an anarchist squat. Uh-huh. And everything's just kind of like slightly unclean. Yes. And they're like, yes, this is a model for future society. And it's like, I can't imagine people's grandmothers getting on board with living in filth, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of, I imagine it to be manky in that sense. It'll be just kind of like, like slightly dirty and unkempt. But I think what will be wrong with it will ironically be the fault of it being a privately owned museum is that and wrong no 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 but i think like for example the checkpoint charlie museum which is complete garbage you know with a private own, privately owned museum you can put absolutely anything into it and you can just say whatever shite you want and that that you're presenting that to the public but whereas with an actual state-owned museum like the german historical museum is actually put together by historians but actually have to try and be
0: yeah, but historians who are put under the thumb of the government, they have propaganda, man. They're not under the thumb. Propaganda, I mean, I'm telling you.
4: Yeah, okay, well, nobody is completely neutral, but it's not the same as, like, you're going in with an agenda. At first, when you suggested the idea of going to the com—sorry, uh, the capitalist Museum... You're actually thinking
0: it might be <laughs> called the Communist Museum.
4: <laughs> no, well, I'm, I keep thinking of the Communist Museum in Prague. Um, but anyway, I, I thought it's going to be a museum put together by... It's going to be completely pro-capitalism, and it'll be like ah, the entrepreneur, the genius, sponsored
0: by Deutsche Bank. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, (laughs) something you know. I was thinking it's more a kind of it seems to be more some kind of American style of capitalism, isn't it? That has like the entrepreneur is a superhero in a way and stuff like that. So I was kind of expecting it to be like that and to be like I don't know, just like venerating profit making and stuff like that. So so innovation, you know, some kind of like neoliberal put together thing.
0: You probably were going to see that word around neoliberal.
4: Yeah, I would say so. Well, like neoliberal, the word capitalism is usually only used in a kind of negative sense, really, isn't it?
0: This is what I was thinking. I mean, it's like it's it's an uh, it's a word to describe a sort of economic model, I think, but it's never. Like, you wouldn't describe yourself as a capitalist, would you, if you're uh, any good, decent person?
4: Would you? I don't know, because you get all these people who are politically on the right. But again, this is an American discourse. Like, people like Ben Shapiro, who are like, Capitalism is the grandest system. Blah, 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 blah. Did you ever hear him? Yes. Like, you have people like him who are always just, like, endlessly singing the praises of capitalism. Um,
0: yeah, but even even a, a, like an owner of a, a big company like Mark Zuckerberg wouldn't call himself a capitalist, would no, he? No,
4: he'd call himself an innovator or something like that. Yeah, exactly, a, but he is a capitalist. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah.
0: So we call him that, and like the negative, the negative connotation is yeah. I think very prevalent. Now, what? So if we go in as, with a blank slate, right, and we go yeah. in there and we don't expect it, expect it to be manky. Okay. So, what, I'm probably
4: what, being completely unfair to it. So, what you know? would be what would be a good like what would a good
0: what would a museum of capitalism have if it was any good? What would it be
4: displaying? What would it be displaying? Well, I guess we would hope to find out the origins of capitalism. Uh, the, origins of capitalism. the origins of capitalism. The origins of
0: it. As where a, where it began?
4: Yeah, that, and that's a kind of a hard one because most people say that it's kind of it starts say late 18th early 19th century like they it's very much conflated with industrialism and so on so like you have feudalism and all that before but if you have any system with privately owned means of exchange isn't that capital or a form of capitalism i mean if you're selling things on the market and that's the society's main form of economic activity is that isn't that capitalism? I, I think, what would you I, think? I think it is.
0: I think like so. I, I I read about it just before a little bit just before we started the podcast, and so the one of the definitions being given is uh, capitalism is the commodification of goods, right? It is the moment that you start to um, commodify these goods that normally haven't been in the market like labor for example or like land Mm -hmm. and you start selling them off you start putting a price on it and everything becomes a part of exchange that is i think like the start
4: of capitalism so when would you say capitalism started
0: well let's say faroufakis When would Varoufakis say capitalism starts? I don't know. He says it starts with global trade. For the first time, people going on ships and experiencing the fact that everything can be traded for anything. And then all of a sudden, people start selling labor as well. They start going on ships. They start uh, working, uh, uh, sheep farmers and stuff like that. Uh, maybe, Maybe something like
4: that. Were people not selling labor before that?
0: I don't know if they were selling it. Like the idea is that people were working on the land and giving a small margin of their profits, or of the of the cabbages that they were growing, to the landowner. But they were not really selling their labor so much. You were either a slave laborer or you were working for somebody, not for money, but. Okay. Well, well, let's say. So if you I'm have going to cut in here for a second and state the state obvious that neither of us really know what capitalism is. My plan for today was not to fluster you with tits and bits of information that you can find on Wikipedia yourself. But maybe also, is there some ties to Berlin? I mean, after all, this is Berlinology. Uh, A museum of capitalism in Berlin. Yes. Is, Is this a good place to have a museum of capitalism? Think about history, think about what this city is today. You think this is the right place for this museum?
4: It's the only place that we are, so yeah. I don't know, what do you think? I mean, is it the right place? I, I guess you, you'd want to have one in the middle in New York City or something like that, wouldn't you?
0: Yeah, but then it would probably be set up by actual capitalists, right? Yes, it probably like, would. Like, I feel, I feel, what makes this interesting is that you have this, you had this former East and West, this divide between yeah. communism and capitalism
4: in one city. Well, there you go. For that's,
0: forty years. That's
4: something that I take issue with, because. You can't just say that West Germany was capitalist and East Germany was communist. I'm saying that, Ken. Well, in, in the West, you had a more of a compromise system. I mean, it would be more accurate to say it was like a social democracy, or even what was it? I think it was like Konrad Adenauer who, who called it a social market state or something like that. I, I it's a, basically just don't want to give the free market credit for the success of West Germany. East and West
0: Germany ran two completely different economic models, with Berlin becoming the experimental laboratory. For a length of 40 years, one system adhered to the idea of the free market, whereas in the other, market forces were severely regulated. You were were saying about the fact that you wouldn't credit West Berlin, or at least capitalism, not for the society that eventually came out of it. But we're
4: living in a capitalist society right now, right? Yeah, but it's still a mixed system. It's not like a total free market system you know you have all these guarantees by the state there's you know social welfare and things like that unemployment like i know it's kind of getting worse than it was but i mean there those things are still there and they have a good deal to be thanked for the successful society that was built up in the west you can't just ignore the fact that that was it and say oh it was capitalism. Oh, that was the magic of the free market uh, you know, it's like sure. it's terrible, well, well, you know.
0: it was also a democracy.
4: Yes, of course, crucially.
0: That, that's, that's very important. Maybe even more important than uh, capitalist society. It was a, yeah. a democratic I system. Always,
4: yeah, I always say you had democracy in the West and a communist dictatorship in the East. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wouldn't say it's capitalism in the West, because, I mean, that's one aspect of it as a society. Did they have capitalism in the East? No absolutely well not. did i misspeak there and say the east instead no no of the west? no you said well, oh you said, well. no they definitely didn't have it in the east okay because they didn't have a market i don't know what was the story with i mean it would it was a highly controlled market but i couldn't tell you exactly i mean like people still sold things there were shops and so on but the basis of their economy wasn't Driven by what the market demanded? No,
0: it was fixed prices, right? The government decided yeah. what bread was one day and then the other day.
4: That was also, as far as I'm aware, one of the main problems of their regime, because it it basically destroyed value. So they would take something that was of value, like like a raw commodity, like rubber or leather, and turn it into something of no value, like a shoe that nobody wants. So sometimes a shoe, and they're just well, here's the order; it's it's already planned. Keep on making it. Nobody wants it, so you're destroying value. So, yeah, we in a kind of, well, that is one of the things that is kind of efficient in a capitalist economy. Nobody likes the shoe, nobody's buying. It. They're gonna stop making it, you know? Yeah.
0: And then we actually arrive at the museum.
4: Oh, look, at it's right over here. Where is it? Here, look in front of us. The Museum of Capitalism. Oh, it looks a lot nicer than I, I thought, geez, it's in a nice building.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a very modern building that we're looking at on yes. the corner of a street, uh, the corner of Köpenicker and Eisenbahnstrasse. And it looks very fancy, It actually. really does. Um, but yeah, oh, I wonder who gonna...
4: it's funded, probably funded by... who, who would be... China? <laughs> I don't know. So it, also, looks, oh, it looks very fancy. and also, You know what it looks like? Yeah. It looks like a hipster coffee shop. It does. It
0: actually does. And also what's interesting, of course, the, the logo of the Museum of Capitalism mm. is an M, but it is a graph that actually goes down. So I'm not expecting
4: too many positive stories here. It's shown an economic collapse essentially in so
0: as i mentioned the museum looks really nice like it's a nice neighborhood it looks like a nice coffee shop kind of a place and not really like the museum of modern art it's not that professional it's on the ground floor of this brand new building there's windows all around you step into the building through its corner opening the space has concrete floors as you'll hear as we step through the door all
4: right well they are open Look, entry so, uh... free so it's obviously funded from somewhere Hello.
0: It is basically one big area. I'd say maybe 200 square meters. There's a bench on our left uh, where two guys, maybe the curators, are sitting. But otherwise, the room is fairly empty. There is uh, IKEA clothing racks and other appliances that have been laid out and are relatively spread out across the room. Now, let me also state up front that what we were expecting, maybe a history of capitalism, That's not really what we're going to get from this museum. It's not going to let us get away with a more profound historic knowledge of how this economic model has developed. So, let's figure out what this museum is all about. Okay, what are you doing? You're turning a wheel?
4: Just turning a wheel. It's lifting up a cage. And inside the cage, you have a shopping basket filled with... Examples of milk and orange juice and beer and pasta. This is true. And Some. hairspray.
0: The things that we need, olive oil, pasta, cartoffel like yes. puree, uh, um, potato puree.
4: On the side of the
0: installation oh, is here. a little text. The necessity of wage labor, turn the crank. In front of you can see a basket with commodities you need for your daily life. To get them, you need to money for this. Uh, you need to work. Your work is to turn the crank as soon as you stop working turning the crank you stop earning wages now you can't buy commodities anymore so does the cage go down it's it's not working supposed to be but
4: yeah it's i get i get what they were trying I, i get what they were trying to illustrate
0: so yeah this is the idea that we're constantly in this this um this this rat of rut of of having to work for our money to buy these products over here instead of just having them grow on the trees, or having them handed out it to us every day. You know, free milk for every morning, regardless of what you do. You no, know, you have to turn the crank, you have to turn the machine.
4: That's not really a problem with capitalism though. That's just a problem of, of life. I mean, stuff will still have to be produced. What, what the problem is, is that there's, you have to produce more value then is necessary for you. And the extra value that you produce is the profit of your employee, or sorry, employer, or the, the, the capitalist. Like that's, the, pro- like, the problem isn't, like people who are against capitalism, they're not like, oh, everyone should just be completely lazy and lay about and never work. Like that's a, kind of a ludicrous a caricature of a, an anti-capitalist analysis. And so they're kind of feeding in into that really a bit with this, aren't they? Because the alternative isn't, oh, nobody should ever have to work. Because obviously things still need to be made.
0: So this is exactly why I asked Ken to come along. But I, th- but I think you're right in a way. But maybe they're trying to say more here that um, like, there is this constant idea of you need to, you need to um, like be productive for society, you know? You need to have value and if you don't produce anything, you don't have any value and tough luck for you. What if you just can't like really get along, you know? What if you just don't have the capacity both physically and mentally to do so? If people
4: are disabled or depressed or whatever, there should obviously be things there to look out for them. That doesn't mean that there's something inherently bad with having to work in itself
0: so okay so let's have a look at another one of these contraptions oh
4: do you want to don't look at anything you want to play the game of guess what is this what are they getting at what are they getting at here what do you mean don't look at anything just don't read what it's about okay so what's this what do you think this is going to be so there's six
0: pictures over here on a table we have a um cheese platter with a glass of wine we have a cardboard boxes we have a car we have a shirt we have some bread and we have a phone a mobile phone um now, they seem to be able to, you could lift them. Maybe you could guess what the prices are or something like that. Or maybe what is more expensive or, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly. But we have to read it though. This table is about commodification. The idea that in a capitalist world, you can put a price on
4: anything. So let's see what's underneath the picture of a car. Oh, it's a picture of someone fixing a car. All right. Let's see what's under the picture of the t-shirts. It's a picture of somebody making a t-shirt. I can kind of see where they're going <laughs> with this. Underneath the picture of bread is a picture of someone making bread.
0: I'd say it's a baker.
4: It's a, well, it's a baker. It's a ba- a, it's ba- a, someone making bread. Yeah, that's what you call a baker.
0: It's a fancy baker, though, with a top hat and a, not the top
4: hat. It looks like a, he's, got a, he's got a chef's hat.
0: I, I'm going to guess behind the picture of the mobile phone is a Chinese factory
4: worker. It's probably someone throwing themselves off a building. Exactly.
0: The Museum of Capitalism is an interactive museum. They're trying to provide people with cues and uh, hope that your curiosity takes over, wants to grapple with the meaning of a specific part of capitalism. So far, I'm not really sure that that's doing the job for us, although some of the installations do have potential. Ah, look at this. This one is amazing. This is a huge table over here. It looks like a workstation. You have these brass pipes over here. Ken is know, holding on to a pump. Um, this is the workplace, my man. And you're uh, pumping.
4: Am I meant to be the worker or the capitalist here? I'm I definitely f- the worker. Yeah.
0: And you're, Oh, you're working for your wage.
4: Look, uh-huh. you're working for your
0: wage. There's a glass underneath a tiny tube. And there's a big reservoir of water over here. And I think the idea is supposed to be that you are pumping the water from the reservoir into the cup. Uh, So far you've pumped quite a bit, but there is no
4: water coming out at the moment. There's nothing coming out either way. Now I imagine if this thing was to work, it would be demonstrating that the cup of my wage is getting filled up a lot less than the one of capital, and I think it's there to demonstrate the surplus value of labor. But it's not really working. Do you think that's also the idea? I think that must be the idea.
0: Now I'm doing this for the sake of podcasting, but to be honest, my attention spam was dwindling fast. Maybe my mind doesn't really work this way. I love reading things, I love the structure of bringing across information through text, I guess. Like I can see a lot of effort went into the making of these installations. This is not a museum thrown together by some wealthy business folk. This is the efforts of a local community wanting to enhance our understanding of the system we live in. It's just not entirely working for me. We still spent quite a bit of time in the museum playing a little building block game. Oh, there we go. Oh, you have to make a little tower. Okay, I see how this goes. We started putting things on a massive scale. And that has
4: tipped the scale. Oh, it's, oh, it's made it even.
0: And it's inspected a sliding screen displaying the inevitability of crisis.
4: But with a twist of irony, it's not actually working.
0: So, what do we think of the Museum of Capitalism?
4: Did you have a good time? I don't know, right time. Did you? I did actually,
0: but I do think it also had something to do with the fact that we're making the podcast. I don't think I would have such a good time if I was just visiting this by myself. Okay. You know, if I was just uh, by myself or maybe with a friend of mine, we'd go in there. Uh, like, we really, we really tested this, right? We really went for yeah. it now because of the, the, for the sake of the podcast, but. A
4: lot of it was poorly executed, I must yeah, say. Yeah. A lot of the concepts were kind of all right, but not well designed. And not completely clear. Have we now got a better understanding of what capitalism is? I might be even a bit
0: more confused about <laughs> it, if I'm honest. Which might not be necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Like to have your ideas thwarted a little bit. I mean, I got some stuff out of it, like the idea of, you know, wage labor and maybe the, uh, yeah, our, our talks a little bit about what could be alternative, you know, or yeah. solutions to that and what could be labor in general that could be paid for, but. I'm saving talk about work and getting paid for work for another episode which is actually exactly coming soon.
4: Yeah, and well that's one of the things that a lot of people on the left don't seem to even realise that Marx and Engels praised capitalism quite highly in terms of how productive it was and its, its efficiency at, at transforming the world and stuff like that. The, it's not just... I think the standard anti-capitalism is, oh, the evil businessman, he doesn't care about any, you know, it's like Ebenezer Scrooge, they have in their head and, oh, if only you could be stacked with saints, then it'd be better or whatever. And that's not really a realistic view, in my opinion.
0: And And we're going to find out what some of the left wants and how we can tackle some of the nasty side effects of capitalism after the break. Hey, worldly citizens with an interest in Berlin. I hope you're all doing well. As I mentioned last time, I have been working on another project that has seen its launch by now. It's a cool new science project I've been making for the Humboldt Institute for Internet and Society. And it's basically me um, having chats with the researchers at the Humboldt, asking them all kinds of questions about our digital society. Now, I don't know anything about the digital world we live in, struggling with the actual world as it is. So if you're just like me, be prepared to have your shutters taken off and be enlightened in the world of cyberspace. The podcast is called Exploring Digital Spheres, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can find it. For now, back to this whirly-durly capitalist adventure. Ken and I, being not entirely impressed by the museum, we've set our horizons on the roots of grass that sprout underneath this city we're heading for a red-blooded socialist demonstration in Berlin. And socialists in general don't seem to take kindly to capitalism. Let's see if we can find out why that is.
4: So what do you think so far? uh, I'm not a great person to ask about this to be honest with you. What do you mean? Um, You know, I've been on countless marches. I never really saw the point. I don't even know why I turn up. Why did you turn up? I don't up? know. I don't know. I mean, well, it's... Uh, to why, mar- why did you drag me into the rain to do this? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's the mark, isn't it, the 100th anniversary of Rosa Luxemburg's death. It's just to mark it. So, um... So leftists okay. can, you know, talk to each other, really. That's the only reason I ever saw to go to march is just to meet people, like it's a kind of a social event.
0: We're at a demo in commemoration of Rosa Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht, two Berlin socialists that were murdered exactly 100 years ago. So wh- wh- who are the people that are on this march today? Oh,
4: we've got all sorts. There's, what's that, the, the, the KPD, Communist Party of Deutschland. What's that, TKP? I don't know what that is. I think the Turkish Party, oh, maybe. Turkish Communist, Communist Party. Communists. all right. Yeah, there's all sorts of splitters around here. There's tankies, there's trots, there's anarchists. I saw back there uh, a bunch of little children wearing black clothes, did you ever see them? The yeah. anarchists, they're always kids, a bunch of anarchists. Anyway, I don't know, it's nice to see them all gathered together.
0: The event is a yearly recurring phenomenon where thousands of people march to the grace of these two socialists. This year, of course, extra special because of being 100 years ago.
4: Yeah. Yeah, well, what do you think about it all?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think there is a way more
4: um, like hammer and sickles than I would expect. Yeah, 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 very much so. Uh, especially given that she was famously a critic of the Bolsheviks and the Bolshevistic revolution famous quote, of saying that freedom is always the freedom to dissent, which you couldn't do in the Eastern Bloc countries.
0: But we're not here to lecture you lovely listeners on the rise and perils of socialism. Now, we're still making a capitalist show.
4: So, uh, what do you think uh, these people think about capitalism? Oh, I think it's the only thing that any of us here have in common, is that we, we don't think it's great. We don't think it's... Uh... We can do better than that. I think that's literally the only thing that everybody in this group hasn't come, apart from the fact that they want to mark, uh, you know, the memory of Rosa Luxemburg for the, the hundred years.
0: Anyway, capitalism. It is slightly raining. It's cold, but there is thousands of people here. So let's ask them some questions. Können Sie mir kurz erklären, um, warum, außer we, wer Sie sind und warum um, Sie hier eigentlich sind heute? Ich bin heißt Patrick. Ich
2: bin Mitglied der Freien Deutschen Jugend. Unsere Organisation wurde 36 im Excel vom Hitlerfaschismus gegründet.
0: No worries, people. I know you always get a bit scared hearing German language in this podcast, but I will translate. This is Patrick. He is of the FDG, which is actually the youth movement of the former GDR or East Germany. Und was denken Sie, dass a große Problem ist
2: von Kapitalismus? The problems are in all areas, you look at the on the whole world. Patrick
0: tells me the problems of capitalism are everywhere. If you look outside of Germany, the wars that are happening all over the world, or inside of Germany where kids are just being schooled to be appendages of the machines, he sees socialism as the only way out of this mess. You say that Deutschland wieder Sozialismus wird. what does that mean?
2: Factories
0: and banks should belong to the workers, that the workers decide what and especially how things are produced, that the power belongs to us and not just the few rich people that own the banks and factories. Now I ask him, being a member of the youth movement of the former GDR, whether history hasn't shown us that these ideas didn't particularly play out well.
2: I think the history has that we also after the revolution uns ausruhen dürfen and aufgeben dürfen.
0: Patrick believes we shouldn't give up the revolutionary fight because then exactly is what will happen, uh, that which happened to the GDR, that the capitalists will take over power again.
2: Allerdings we see that the capitalism. Now
0: Manfred stood out against the crowd, being a proper old timer standing in the rain with a massive poncho, handing out flyers. Manfred is slightly more optimistic about capitalism. Glauben Sie, Kapitalismus hat noch eine
2: Rolle in der Zukunft? Ja, es hat eine Rolle als Totengräber der Menschheit.
0: He sees the role of capitalism to be the grave digger of humanity. If we as the people don't take action right away, he says, it will be the end of people altogether.
2: Well,
0: that doesn't sound good, does it? So, what's the plan, Manfred?
2: We must also the gesellschaftlichen Verhältnisse. He too,
0: just like Patrick believes, changing capitalism is to change the relations between who owns the means of production.
2: Diese Eigentumsfrage zu stellen, das steht eigentlich auf der Tagesordnung des
0: Jahrhunderts. So, how are you? Uh, pretty good. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me who you are and uh, what you're doing here today.
5: Sure. Um, I'm Julia. I um, have been living in Berlin for three years. I'm a student here, um, and I'm involved in like various like, activist and kind of left-wing things.
0: Julia would describe herself as a Marxist, and obviously, I want to know: Does a Marxist take offense to capitalism?
5: I would say that capitalism allows for there to be this like immense um, wealth and like and like quality of life inequality, um, which like on a moral level is like obscene and actually unnecessary like we produce more food than is necessary to feed everyone in the world, yet people are starving. Capitalism also has tended to and continues to be the main cause of, or like the attempt of the accumulation of capital is what drives people to like do basically like imperialist war. Um, And so basically a lot of like the worst things that exist in society, like dire poverty, war, um, just kind of general misery of life are all somehow rooted in the social system that we have right now. Which is a completely human-made thing, which we could arrange in a different way.
0: Isn't um, capitalism, though, one of the few things so far that has proven to give um, societies mass prosperity?
5: Yeah. So I'm not saying that we should like go back to like feudalism or something like that. I think uh, the best way to think about it is that like. So capitalism m- led to industrialization at, like, an extremely rapid pace. And industrialization was something that was, like, good for humanity and it allowed us to, like, have cities and all of this stuff. Um, but it's also what has led to, like, essentially what's going to kill us all, like, climate catastrophe. So what I, the way I would say it is that, like, it has served a purpose, it had a time, and it's something that we should move beyond and look back on in the same way that we look back on, like, monarchism is like well that was a weird way that we governed ourselves for some years but like glad we got past that like randomly you know uh the king just deciding what's right what's wrong deciding who should have one who shouldn't
0: you you don't see capitalism at all as inevitable
5: no certainly not
1: But do you think, uh, do you think we should have capitalism? Are you, are you like against it,
0: just outright? Well, Paulina, to be honest, I really don't know because before we're getting rid of it, what is it actually we're ridding ourselves from?
3: Well, whoever it is that's saying we need to get rid of it, and it's like, okay, we'll get rid of capitalism. Okay, well, what's capitalism? We had this discussion the other morning in the in the cafe. I mean, what? I mean. Can capitalism exist without the market? Are they saying get rid of the free market?
0: Like, I feel it's safe to say that no state or union really has a free market. It's always regulated to some form or degree. And getting rid of the market in general just doesn't seem to be a really good idea. Also, nationalising all the factories and banks, as Patrick suggested, feels rather archaic. And I think historically has proven to be rather inefficient. I think I stand closer to the argument that although capitalism is flawed, we can still, maybe for the time being, fight to let it work better for the many rather than for the few. Though I do feel that there is some very important misconceptions about the benefits of capitalism that need to be tackled.
3: So you hear this common refrain these days. It's like, oh, you're, 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 you're shitting all over capitalism on your iPhone. You know, the, the implication being that if you didn't, if we didn't have capitalism, we wouldn't have an iPhone which, in my opinion, is absolute nonsense, you know. Remember, much of the technology that's used in an iPhone developed, sure, under a capitalist system, but much of the technology uh, was developed um, using state funds, you know. So state funds kind of runs contradictory to the idea of capitalism, that it was private innovation. No, it was actually using state, that is public money, um, that was used to develop the technology that now led to the iPhone. Secondly, imagine being the guy or the girl in Soviet Russia who invented the iPhone, where there was a controlled economy, where there was no capitalism. Imagine being that person. I mean, the just the idea of being smart enough to develop a thing that can change the world is kind of a reward in and of itself. So I don't buy this idea that, that capitalism invites innovation. Oh yeah, if you're, if you're if you're all about money, well yeah, sure. But I really do think that like, people are motivated by other things as well.
0: Talking to Paulina, it also made me realize once more that the system itself is just a system. It's neither good nor bad. It's the people in the system and their specific set of ethics that make our societies work or not.
1: I had a course, um, like we read a text in my history studies, I think two weeks ago, which sort of described the workings of the market in England in the 18th century, so right before the Industrial Revolution. And it was much more... It was much more government-regulated, and there was, which was very nice. There was this idea of the moral economy, which is that there is space for for morality and fairness, and the idea of justice within economy. So, for example, if if the if the miller brought his um, brought his stuff to the market, he would have to open up the market for the first hour only for poor people, so they could buy, uh, so that they would have food, which is not necessarily, you know, economically is most profitable option but there was this understanding of we need to feed the poor and we need to you know make sure everyone has enough food even if that means that we don't make as much money as as one could and i think by the that sort of started changing around the time of the industrial revolution when everything went to
0: shit Everything went to shit. Do you think everything went to shit?
1: <laughs> no, but I think we could definitely do with a little bit more of uh, morality and and justice and fairness in our economy. I think. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not anti-capitalist, but I do think there's there's room for improvement, definitely.
0: People of the world, thank you again for completing a full episode of Berlinology. I really hope you enjoyed our musings around capitalism. I had an incredible time speaking to all these smart individuals. Please do let me know what you think about the episode. I want to give a big shout to Ken Walsh. Without whose enthusiasm, humor, and wisdom, I could not have completed this economic adventure.
4: What's the story with the with the podcast? What do you mean? What's the story with the podcast? Like, is what's a? It... Am I
0: gonna kill this now? Grant, it's two hours. Okay, that's a lot. Furthermore, a massive thanks to Pauline, Darren, Patrick, Manfred and Julia for being so kind to share with me your thoughts. I want to emphasize how difficult, though important it is to openly speak with each other, share your thoughts and in general engage in discussions and conversations like these. Many thanks for being a part of this episode. In the next episode, I'm diving a bit deeper into Berlin and Germany as we're entangling the massive debate ongoing on the German welfare system and we're discussing some of the possible alternatives, like increasing the public job sector and universal basic income. Feels good to be back. If you like the show, don't hesitate to leave Berlinology a nice review on iTunes. For now, bon voyage, that your travels may be smooth. Walrus out.
4: It was more of a kind of like thrown together by anarchists' yoke. I kind of just envision it'll be manky.